Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. It's so nice to see you all here. Thank you for spending part of your weekend with us. I'm really excited to be continuing this series, The Beauty of Jesus. And if you've been here the past two weeks, this has been an awesome series that Pastor Joe has been doing. And I really think people are growing, learning, being set free from certain things. And, you know, this is such an important topic, the beauty of Jesus. And in this series, we haven't been looking at the beauty, as so to say, like <laughs> um, his physical stature or, you know, that nature of the beauty. We're looking at the beauty that is the very essence of Jesus Christ. That's what we've been looking at, the beauty that speaks salvation. And if you haven't been here um, last week or the week before, I really do encourage you. You can go to newbeginningsnj.org. You can watch the message or listen to it from the last two weeks. But I'm just going to quickly recap the previous two weeks before we get into week three. And this, this series will take us up to when we celebrate Easter weekend, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we saw in the first week that Jesus is the beauty that speaks salvation, that he is the beauty that has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. The beauty that gave us hope of everlasting life. The beauty that gave us hope that we could spend forever with God in right relationship with Him because of what Jesus did. And we saw that. And then we saw that God sent His liberator to the earth. And through Him, Jesus, through Him, we can now have a right relationship with God. And the war between man and God was over. And we can have a right relationship with Him. And we saw that God sent His liberator to us. And then we saw that He saved us so we could become. He saved us so we could become what we're meant to be. And that He cleanses us. He saved us, cleanses us, transforms us so we can become liberators. The liberator came to liberate us and set us free so now we can go and take the good news of Jesus Christ and be the liberators and set other people free by pointing them to Him. And we saw that in week one. And then in week two, in the beauty of Jesus, we saw the, the interaction between Peter and Jesus. And when uh, Jesus told Peter, go cast out your nets. And you're I'm a fisherman of men. <clears throat> and we saw that the beauty of Jesus is that he plants the seed of hope. That we could have hope because of him. He gave Peter hope just like he gives us hope because he is with us. He injects hope into our future. And there was a lot more in the previous two weeks again. So if you haven't been here, make sure you go check that out. And we're going to get into week three now. And, you know, when I found out that I was going to be doing this week's message and leading up to this. So I was thinking about how can I continue this message, the beauty of Jesus, continue this series and thinking about what I should talk about. And I had a couple of ideas leading up to it. I had a couple of ideas. So I was jotting them down. I remember Tuesday at work, I'm writing down some ideas. I was like, maybe this will work. Maybe this. And I was so frustrated. I was spending the whole day honestly frustrated because I'm writing it down. I'm like, man, I thought I had these good ideas. And now that I just couldn't make them click together. I couldn't really put it together. I'm like, what is going on? I was getting really frustrated trying to think about what to talk about this weekend. So I said, you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to step back from a second. I moved on to something else in work so I could just clear my mind. And then that night, I go home and um, start taking out my notebook again, writing on it, looking in my Bible. And at this point, my notebook's pretty much looking like scribbles, and I'm just confused. And I remember sitting there, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I said to Bianca, I was like, Bianca, I feel like such a mess right now. And then like the light bulb just went off. And I realized that life is messy sometimes, right? Life is messy. You always get a good like, mm-hmm, or like amen for that. Life is messy, sometimes overwhelmingly so, right? Life can be very messy. And our lives, believe it or not, don't end up 
all the time so nicely orderly and packaged, right? They don't always end up like that. Like I know me, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, man, I just want to have the perfect day today. And then I realize sometimes the perfect day is not a reality. We strive, strive towards it though, right? But the fact of the matter is, is we're messy people living in a broken world and things happen. Things happen around us. Things happen in our lives. And theoretically, even if we had the perfect day, because there are some of those, those days, like maybe we had like a really good meal or something and we're like, today was perfect, right? But as humans, we're not like satisfied because then the next morning we wake up and wonder why today couldn't be like yesterday when something goes wrong, right? We live in a messy world. And the truth is, is that we do. And part of living just, I feel like part of enjoying life and just, you know, even being content is just knowing that we, we do live in a messy world. We're messy people. Sometimes our lives are busy. Sometimes we're even chaotic, right? And sometimes in our messy lives, we lose the peace and the peace that Jesus gives, right? It pulls us away from that and desire of the freedom that he wants us to walk in. He wants us to walk in freedom. Now, personally me, I was a messy kid. Like, like I honestly, well, besides I talked about a lot when I preached. Like when I was a kid, all throughout teenage years, I went through extreme anxiety and fear and even some depression. So I was just a mess. But even like physically messy, I was messy. I was that kid, I'd go in my room and I'd kick off my shoes, throw my shirt everywhere, you know, all of that stuff, move everything around. I'd have to clean my room every single week only for the next day it to look exactly how it looked before I cleaned it. <laughs> I was messy. And I was that kid too that I could, when I was like young, I would eat chocolate pudding or ice cream and it would end up in my hair somehow. <laughs> Thankfully, over the years, I've overcome that the last couple of years. No. Um, I think I've made some good strides in not being so messy. It depends on who you ask, but... You know, I think I've done okay, but I was a messy kid. And then I, I've created tons, especially as a kid, my own messes I've created that have happened because of me. I could probably do a whole series on it. I've created messes, like physical just messes, like I was talking about. One, probably the worst one I've ever made, like just an actual physical mess was, I was home and I was younger, and my mom was at work. My grandma went to ShopRite to get food, and I think my brother was sleeping. And my grandma had a china cabinet, probably as long as Noah's Ark. It was like here, and it went all the way down to here. And then there was a, a circle piece of glass here where you could see through. You could see all the nice china. And there was another circle piece of glass here where you could see all of the china. And I love to play sports. I talk about that all the time. I love sports, especially when I was younger. I played baseball all growing up. I love to play baseball. We'd play outside. I'd play with my friends or my brother. And I'd even go outside myself to throw the ball up and hit it. And um, one day, don't know why, you know, you ever look back and you did something and you're like, why did I do that? Why did I even think that was okay? It happens to me quite often. No, um, so one day, I don't know why I didn't want to go outside to play baseball, so I was like, I'll just play inside. Why not, right? I have some time. I'll play inside. And I had a wooden bat, a blue wooden bat, I remember. And I was using a wiffle ball, though, because I was very respectful. I was like, I won't break anything. <laughs> You know, so I used a wiffle ball, and I remember I was playing, and the, the china cabinet was here, and the front door was there. So I was just throwing the ball up, hitting it, and the ball would hit the door and bounce back and all that good stuff, having a lot of fun. Until I threw the ball up, I went to swing, I believe I missed it, and the bat went right through the glass china. So this glass that was showing all the beautiful now smashed china, this glass shot out this way, Everything exploded in there, and I'm just standing there like this. Literally, in that moment, you ever have that moment? I was just like, this is how it ends. <laughs> so this is how I go. Okay, <laughs> this is it. 
that's how I felt. There was glass everywhere. That was probably one of the worst messes I've, I've ever made. Oh, my God. And then another mess. Um, once again, sports. I love sports. I played football a lot with my friends. We, I'd go down the block. We'd play like tackle football. And one day it was pouring rain out. And we were playing football. And I got so muddy. It was gross. And I remember, I think I was wearing a white shirt. I mean, I was just covered in mud and dirt. It was nasty. That's not even the best part, though. The best part is during the game, I got tackled into dog poop. Ah. Yeah, <laughs> went there. Um, and now I'm covered in it. And me, I don't like messes. Like, honestly, I really don't. Like, when I work, I like it if it's my computer, a notebook, a pen, a checklist of what I have to do in my Bible. And that, to me, is ideal. I mean, I have to fix my desk sometimes. It doesn't always stay like that. But that, to me, is ideal. And I was so gross, skeeved out. I was like, oh, my gosh. I think I was about, like, seven years old. And I had to play it cool with my friends, though, you know, because we were with our friends. They were laughing. So I'm like, guys, I'm just going to go home and change. You know, this is cool, though, right? Cool. Poop on me. And I remember I started sprinting home, and I played it cool for a second. And then I remember I'm running home, and I just start crying because I felt so disgusting just covered in this. And I'm running. I felt so messy. I'm running home. I'm crying. And my mom saw me coming home. And before I can get to the door, she popped out. And she's like, no way. <laughs> she said, you are not coming in here. She said, you are a mess. You're nasty. You better dry yourself off, clean yourself up before you can come in here. I am not coming into your mess. You need to clean yourself up. Did she say that? No, she didn't say that. Absolutely not. What she did when she saw me, she saw me because I was crying, tears coming down my face. She didn't care what I have had on me. I was running, and she picked me up, a little poop covered me, brought me inside, cleaned me off, wiped me down, got me new clothes. And that's what she did. Now, I think a lot of us, we struggle with sometimes the first part I talked about that didn't really happen with my mom. We feel like it's hard to go to God because maybe of the mess that we're in, or maybe we feel like because of the mess that we've created, so to say. Or we feel too messy to go to him. We don't feel clean enough, so to say, to go to him. And it can feel easy to get to that. feel easy to get into such a mess that it can be hard to go to God. But that's the exact opposite of what he wants. He's the one that cleans us. We don't clean ourselves. But a lot of us, we can fall into believing the lie that we have to have everything right in order to go into God's presence. And nothing could be farther from the truth than that. Nothing. He wants us to come to him. And that's why today, I was going to say tonight, and I caught myself. That was awesome. Two points for me. Today, this evening, no, this afternoon, I want to talk about the beauty of Jesus is that he stepped into our mess. And that's the beauty of Jesus. He stepped into our mess. Think about it. Jesus was in heaven, the most perfect place there could be. He was with God, yet he willingly came to this earth for us and stepped into our broken world and stepped into the mess that we were in because of the sin that we caused. He willingly came and did that because of how great his love is. He stepped into our mess. He said, I'll go. God sent him here. He willingly did it to step into our mess. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, it says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. 
and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That right there is the greatest news we will ever hear. Jesus willingly came and stepped into our mess because he knew we needed to be saved. He knew he had to do something that we could not do ourselves. We could not fix ourselves. We could not save ourselves. It had to be him. So he left heaven to come step into our mess. And the beauty of Jesus is that him coming into our mess, it brought freedom. Because there is freedom in Jesus. So when he came into our mess, he didn't just come alone, he brought freedom. He brought salvation. And he wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to trust in him with the messes that are going on in our lives, whether that's a broken past that we have. Uh, Maybe that's a sin we're going through. Maybe it's a hurt that somebody did towards us and we need to be able to forgive them. Or maybe it's something we're going through in life. He doesn't want us to run from him. He wants to come to him in the mess. Let let us, let him join us in the mess. That's what he wants. He knows we're in a broken world and he's here with us. And over and over in scripture... Over and over, we see Jesus moving towards the mess of people and miraculously coming through from them. You never see him running away. You never, and honestly, it could be easy. Because I know sometimes for me, naturally, if I see somebody and there's like a mess, you're just like, oh, dear God. Like, I want to go this way. Jesus never went this way. He always went towards it. Amen. Jesus went, always went towards the mess. He always was there to help and come through for them. Always. Whether it was the lame man Um, sitting by the road, whether it was the woman caught in adultery, the uh, blind man, Peter, when he denied Jesus, whether whoever it was, Jesus, even with Peter, he went up to him to help him. He came to the mess. He ran to the mess of whatever it was. He's not afraid of our mess. He is not afraid. He wants to be in it with us because the truth of the gospel is that we have a God who stepped into our messy world to save us and to set us free. That is the truth of the gospel. He didn't just love us from a distance. He didn't just give us some encouraging words and tell us to get ourselves together by ourselves. His love was action. He came close to us. He helps us. He doesn't just give us a couple words and tell us to go our way. He's with us. And we're going to look at a lot of that today. He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So today, for this beauty of Jesus, being the beauty of Jesus that he stepped into our mess, I want to look at four instances in the Bible where we see Jesus stepping into a mess and how he helped them get through it. And I believe, I truly believe with all my heart, and I've been praying, I know a lot of us will be able to relate to this and it will be able to set some of us free from certain things and we'll really be able to learn a lot by seeing his example and what he did. So the first point about the beauty of Jesus stepping into our mess is the beauty of Jesus is when there is a mess, he knows it doesn't surprise him. When we're going through something in life, when we're going through a storm, a mess, it doesn't surprise God. He doesn't just go, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. How did this happen? He knows. I know sometimes with me, even in prayer, it's like I'm praying. I used to I'd pray, and I'd be like praying. I'm like, I wonder if he knows. No, he knows. He wants us to talk to him, though. He wants us to help. He wants to be able to help us. He knows what's going on. I want to look at this in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. Starting in verse 22. Now Jesus was with his disciples here. And it says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. So we see the disciples here are very fearful. And Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. And the storm subsided and all was calm. And he said, where is your faith? He asked his disciples. 
In fear and amazement, they ask one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Now, the text doesn't exactly say which disciples were in the boat with him, but I'm assuming that it's probable that some of the seasoned fishermen were on the boat with him, at least four of the twelve. And being seasoned fishermen, they'd been on the seas before. They knew the way of how the sea worked and how the waves worked, yet they were still fearful. They were still so fearful even to the point of death. Honestly, that gives me a lot of encouragement because I could see that even the apostles back then, when they were, they were walking with Jesus personally, and they still weren't 100% faith-filled all the time. They still were humans just like we were. They still went through fear. They still went through anxiety. They still had doubt every now and then. They weren't just 100% faith-filled. Everything's awesome. They were just like us. But we see here that what did Jesus do? He helped them in the storm. So if Jesus could help them in the storm... How can we not think he doesn't help us in the storms of our lives? Whether that's uh, family problems, finances, health, divorce, marital problems, whatever it may be. He's with them, he's with us today. He didn't just, when he was with them in the storm, not when he went back up to heaven, he didn't just say, you guys got it now, you're good. No, he's with us today. He will get us through this storm. He knows about it. He knows what's going on. Because I believe in all my heart that when Jesus told them, let's go to the other side, I believe he knew the storm was coming. He knows everything, right? He probably wasn't scared about it or fearful because he knew, guys, the storm's going to come, but I'm with you. It's going to be okay. I mean, he was so peaceful, he took a nap. Right? He knew it was coming, but he knew he was with them. And that's why he says to them, what if you have little faith? I'm with you. You know, God never promised us that we wouldn't go through things in life, that we wouldn't have our own storms, or our own trials. As a matter of fact, he told us that we will go through things. But he did tell us that he will be with us, and he will help us, and he knows, just like he knew what they were going through. Which brings us to point number two. The beauty of Jesus is that he doesn't leave us alone in our mess. So he knows about it, he, and he does not leave us alone. Like I said earlier, he didn't just come here, and then when he went back up to heaven, he said, guys, you got this now until I come back. Well, I mean, he did, we were supposed to be, you know, the hands and feet, but he didn't just leave us alone. He didn't say, all right, I'm just leaving you, I'll see you when I get back. No. We see in the Gospel of John, verse 14, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Amen. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit here. He's telling the disciples, I'm going to leave, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God. And if you believe in Jesus, the spirit of God comes to live in the inside of you, the mighty counselor, and you're never alone. He even said in the book of Acts, it says on one occasion, while he was eating with them, the disciples, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He was even telling the disciples, listen, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes because you'll mess it up. I don't want you to be alone, please. We have the Holy Spirit too. I don't know about you, but when I go through something, I love to have somebody by my side. Right? And whether that's whoever may be, a friend, a family member, spouse. When there's somebody by your side, you just feel a little bit more confident right, about it. You feel a little more peaceful because you have somebody going through it with you. It's better to do life with people than it is to do life alone. 
But even if you're going through something and in that moment, in that second of time, you don't have that person there next to them, you, you're never alone because you still have the Holy Spirit living inside. So 24-7, you're never alone. You have the Spirit of God inside of you that will counsel you, that will show you the way to go, that will give you the wisdom and the understanding that you need for whatever situation, for whatever mess that you may be in. He gives the best advice. So we see that we're never alone. So we know that he knows what we're going through. He has not left us alone. The number three, which is one that is extremely important to me, I like to talk about a lot because it's something I went through and I believe so many people can relate to this, is the beauty of Jesus is when we are, when we are an anxious mess or maybe um, fearful or depressed, whatever it may be, he brings peace. He is the God of peace. Okay? He brings peace. Now I want to go over to scripture in Philippians, this is my like, favorite scripture. I read this scripture every day. I go over it. I even have a couple note cards with this on. One on my desk, one I try to keep in my pocket, one at home, and I always go back to it. And it says in Philippians chapter 4, do not, the Apostle Paul's writing, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He's giving us the formula there, right? You have something going on. You have anxiety, depression, fear, whatever it may be. Cast your cares upon to him. So I, look at it, I always look at it as a bank transaction, like I'm depositing something into the savings account. I'm going to give God my burdens. I'm going to give God my cares. I'm going to give God my anxiety. Cast it upon him. Thank him for it. And then his peace will come and fill my heart. I believe that prayer and peace are so closely connected. I know for me, if I'm going through something, I'll immediately start praying. Because when I start praying, it takes my mind off the situation and puts it onto God, the promise keeper, the deliverer, the one who sets me free. You know, prayer is like the antidote to anxiety that I've learned over the years. But I want to talk about and go a little farther with this because in studying this scripture... And it just, just a couple weeks ago, I've had such revelation in this, going through the book of Philippians and really going through the whole, the whole chapter again and not just looking at this verse. And I realized in this verse, there's so much though, because two verses before that and even the verse after is really what will help us be in peace and stay in peace. So I just want to go through that. So we're going to start actually in verse 4. And it says, he, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. And then he goes on and says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say after that in verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now this hit me about a week or two ago when I was going over this. I said, oh my gosh, he just laid it out right for us. Starting with verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say rejoice. <clears throat> That's the first part of it. You know, Paul's writing that, he wasn't saying that as a suggestion based on how you feel. He was saying that as a commandment. It doesn't matter how you feel, still rejoice in God. If you have breath in the morning, if you're breathing, that's a reason to rejoice. So when you get up, rejoice in the Lord. Then, even verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. There is something that I truly believe. When we're kind and, and gentle to people, there's just a peace that gets released inside of us. 
There's a peace that comes with that when we're walking in kindness. You know, for a lot of us in our jobs, in our communities, um, our neighborhoods, whatever it may be, there's people around you that you may be the only living, walking gospel they will ever see. They may never hold the Bible in their hand, ever. But they might see you by your actions and your kindness. Their heart might just open to hear about the gospel of Jesus. So there's something I truly believe just about being kind, and that brings a peace. And then he goes on to say in 6 and 7, you know, not being anxious and casting our cares to Him and depositing our anxieties and casting them to Him, thanking Him, and then letting that peace come. But then it goes to verse 8. And it talks about what to think about because I truly believe our battles are won and lost in our mind. That's where they start, and that's where they're won, that's where they're lost. It all starts with our thoughts. So he's telling them what to think about because see, you could pray and that peace will come, but you need to keep thinking. Of it. Think about the freedom that is in Jesus, the beauty that's in him, the victory he's given you, whatever it may be. Because I know for me it happens. I will get anxious about something and I'll pray, I'll cast my cares to God, I'll feel peaceful. Then later on that day, what happens? I'm walking and I'll start getting a thought. You used to have so much anxiety. You used to be crippled by so much anxiety, so much fear. You used to cry yourself to sleep when you were younger. You were so just fearful or depressed about something. You remember that? Or you remember the mistake you made? Mistake after mistake after mistake? And those thoughts will come. And when they come immediately, I have to start thinking about, no, I'm not going to think about that. I'm thinking about the victory that I have in Jesus, the victory, the stuff that he's brought me out of. You know, I tell myself all the time, I might not be 100% where I want to be, but I know I am not where I was. Sometimes you just got to tell yourself that. I might not be where I want to be, but I am not where I was because he brought me out of that. And you have to think about how he's brought me out of anxiety. He's brought me out of depression. I remember the one time I was so anxious and I had victory in him because he brought me out. And that's what we need to think about. Amen. Think about the freedom that's in him. Pastor Joe, I remember he said it the one time, keep a notebook. And I remember when he said that, I started doing it. Write down your victories. Write down when you see God's faithfulness come through in your life. So when something's going on, Go to that notebook and look at it. Remember, he is faithful. He was faithful then, and he will be faithful now. And I can have peace because I know he's walking with me through this. Because he is the God of peace. So we see that he knows the mess we're in. He hasn't left us alone, and he will bring us peace. And it leads to number four. The beauty of Jesus is that he helps get us out of the mess. He helps us get us out of our mess. Now, I want to look at this in this context. Of, I'm going to go, we're going to go back to the Gospel of Luke towards the end of it now. So Jesus is ready to get ready to go to the cross. Okay, They're coming to arrest him. He just got done praying. They're coming to arrest him. So we're going to pick up in Luke 22. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. I got it. Yes. Third service, finally. I've been like messing up on it all weekend. I just tell everybody, I say, if you want to know what garden it is, read your Bible. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> the garden of Geth- Gethsemane. And he's in there. And it says, when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said to him, they're coming to arrest Jesus now. They said to him, should we strike with our swords? These guys are awesome. My kind of guys. No. <laughs> and one of them struck Peter, struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. Peter, I love Peter. He was crazy. <laughs> the Holy Spirit came and worked him out. He's good. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. So we see Peter cut the man's ear off. And Jesus walks over to the man and heals him. Now, going through this, I I always wondered, always, Peter cut somebody's ear off. How did nothing happen to him? I'd read this. but He just cut a man's ear off. But we see Jesus helped get him out of the mess. Because what we see here is what Peter did 
was criminal. He could have went to prison. He could have been punished for it. It was, a, it was a criminal act he did on a fellow citizen. He cut the, a fellow citizen's ear off. And not just any fellow citizen. This was Malchus, who was very well known. He was a servant of the high priest. Peter easily could have went to jail. And, he, and his, whole life could have got, his whole life could have got messed up. He might not have been able to become what he became. He could maybe have been punishable by death. Who knows? But it was definitely an, a criminal action that he did. Yet what do we see Jesus do? He restores the man's ears. He helps Peter get out of the mess. Now, what I want to look at, though, is Jesus just got done praying so hard that he says he was sweating with blood. You know, I always think about, if I ever, if I ever feel like, oh, I wonder if Jesus knows how I feel. He knows how we feel. He was literally sweating with blood. He was going through such an intense battle. Then, on top of that, he just had one of his friends who has been walking with him on this earth come and betray him with a kiss. Okay? He had that, and then he also knows he's facing the prospect of going to the cross. And he knows what he's going to have to do. He knows he's about to die and, and take our sin upon him. And he knew he would come back and raise the third day, but yet he's facing all of this. Yet he still took a moment out of all of that to get Peter out of the mess because of something that Peter did. Peter did that. There's nothing Jesus caused. That Peter just chopped off a guy's ear, and Jesus still took a moment. So how can we think when we're going through something, when we're in a mess, so to say, that no matter how big or small, that God won't take a moment to get us out of it and to help us? He will. If he took a moment then, he'll take a moment now. Now, yes, we might get ourselves in messes and there might be some consequences, but he will get us out of it. He will help walk us through it. You know, back to the story of my grandma's china cabinet. So we pick up. There's glass everywhere because I just smashed it with the baseball bat. So I remember standing in glass. There's all glass here, and I'm kind of freaking out now. And I remember I had my bat, my blue wooden bat, and I'm pushing the glass. I'm trying to, I'm like, I, I didn't know what to do. I was freaking out. I was like, my grandma's going to be home. Then my mom's going to find out I'm dead. And I'm pushing the glass, and probably five minutes went by. And then I remember seeing my grandma pull up. And I was like, oh, dear God. <laughs> so she pulls up, and now I'm just standing there. She opens the door, because here was the china cabinet, so the front door was right there. She opens the door, and I remember clear as anything, she literally dropped the bags, her ShopRite bags, just dropped them, ran over, picked me up out of the glass, and asked me if I was okay. Because it was a serious thing. I mean, I could have cut my, I was only seven, I think, my, I could have cut my foot up or whatever. I don't know, I could have been older than seven. I, I'll just say I was seven, that sounds better. <laughs> I'm all big, I was 17. No. <laughs> um, I was young. She picked me up and she said, are you okay? I said, I said, yes. And you know, it's not like she didn't know who did this when she walked in. I was literally standing there with a baseball bat in my hand. Like, I was caught. I couldn't get out of it. She picked me up. She asked me if I was okay. And she checked my feet, make sure there was no glass on it, make sure I was okay. And, and then she cleaned up the glass. Now, I did get punished. Did I get grounded? Yeah, I got grounded for a little bit. It could have been way worse, though. Trust me. But she got me, she helped get me out of the mess. She didn't want me to get hurt. God will help us get out of the, us out of the mess. Jesus will bring us out of the mess if we trust him. If we solely just focus on him and we trust in him. He will get us out of that mess. He will put, us, he will put everything on hold for a moment to help us. So, to go back to what I was talking about in the beginning. Or maybe you in a mess right now that you find it so hard to go to God about and come to Jesus. If you are, consider there is freedom in him. He came into our mess and brought freedom. He knows the mess. He doesn't leave us alone. He brings peace and he will help us get us, get us out of the mess and situation we're in. Now, 
Before, though, I wanna, we leave, I do want to consider something. If we're, if we're Jesus followers, if we're believers in Jesus, we are called to try to live by his example, right? And we always see Jesus running towards the mess. And we live in a world that is messy. We live in a world where people naturally run away from other people's junk. Love is messy. But if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we sometimes need to jump in and run towards it. Now, I understand there might be some situations where you cannot get involved in or, you're not, or you have no right to get involved in and you do need to maybe love from a distance or whatever it is and pray for them, which you can always do. But there some, are some instances where we need to jump into people's mess and help lift them up, like how he helped lift, uh, lifted us up. Not run away. I know sometimes it happens. You know, somebody's acting crazy. They don't believe in Jesus and they need to hear the gospel about him and about his love. But we're like, we can't talk to them based on how they act. Well, how can you expect them to act any other way if they don't have Jesus? We need to remember how we were acting before we had Jesus. God calls us to run into people's messes, to help them, to help lift them out. To point them to the one that will really lift them out and the one that cleans them. So what is the mess in your life that maybe feels overwhelming or is weighing you down? Or is there somebody in your life that you need to help jump in their mess and help get them out of it? We have a God that wants to show us that he is the God that his, the word, his word says he is. Jesus didn't just come here 2,000 years ago, stepped into our mess, and then left. He's still here. He's still working in us. He's still helping us. He's still getting us through our messes. And he wants to show us that. And we need to believe in him because he's the only one that can do something that we cannot do and that is bring ourselves freedom. That can only come through him. So before we leave, if everybody could just shut their eyes and bow their heads, I just want to make sure I'll end with giving the opportunity because see, if you don't have Jesus in your life, maybe tonight's the first night you, the day you heard about his love. And it tells us in Romans 10 that if you believe with Jesus with all your heart, and you know he's the son of God and you, you confess that and you believe he went to the cross for your sins and on the third day rose again and it says you are saved, you're born again and if you were to take your last breath you would see him face to face. So I just want to give that opportunity today. If you, maybe this is the first time you heard about his love and the truth is until you accept him in your life you're always going to be in a mess. So if that's you and you've never received Jesus into your life or maybe you have and maybe you feel like you're that category where you feel like you're in such a mess and you've drifted so far away and it's been so hard to go back to him and you just want to rededicate yourself. If that's you, with all eyes shut, I respect for everybody. Just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's pray and let's just do this all together so they don't feel singled out. Father God, I thank you that you sent Jesus and I believe he is your son. And he went to the cross for my sins. And on the third day rose again. Jesus, come into my heart and be my savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.